Welcome in to the New Orleans Saints podcast, hosted by Aaron Summers and John DeShazer. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers who cover the team on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your hosts, Aaron Summers and John DeShazer. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Aaron Summers, joined by John DeShazer. Today, we have a very special guest in cornerback Alante Taylor. Taylor has made the move from outside corner to nickel. He's really hit his stride over the last few games. He's going to break down where he feels like he's at in his career, how the transition has been for him, and some of his interests outside of football. Here's Alante Taylor. Alante, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. We'd love getting an opportunity to talk to some of the players, find out a little bit more about how the season's going for you and about you in general. How are you doing? Doing well. How has the first half of the season been for you? For me, um, I would say it's uh, taught me a lot about about myself. Um, and, you know, kind of just going into year two, going from being, I guess, like a young man um, in college to being an adult and kind of living life on your own. I've kind of learned how to manage my life outside of just sports itself. Um, so it's been going good. Um, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but I'm learning a lot. How big of a factor was that, just the adjustment from from college and kind of having everything planned out and done for you to now being really responsible for everything outside of football? Um, it was an adjustment. I wouldn't say it was a big one, though. I feel like as a kid, I kind of had to grow up um, really fast. So um, some of the things that I'm doing now and I kind of did um, when I was a kid as far as, like, my chores, I guess you would call it then. But now I just make sure I make my bed by myself, cleaning my house up by myself. Um, you know, you also with the league, you kind of get things such as, like, uh, a chef. So I'm not really having to cook my own food. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, that's the good side of it. I don't have to go buy groceries all the time to, like, cook and stuff late at night. But um, it's been fun, though. Um, and like I said, I've learned a lot. And so now it's made me just a better person. You pay your own bills? Because Oprah, <laughs> Oprah says you need to sign your own checks yeah. and where your money yeah. going. Yeah, I pay for it. Everything's <laughs> in my name now. So, yeah, I pay for everything. Hey, now, now I, Alante is a somewhat unique name. What, what's the origin? Um, so my dad's name is um, Albert Martin, um, and so he wanted to have the Al uh, kind of like in the name, mm-hmm. um, but we just kind of, since I was a kid, my mom just always told me it's Alante um, instead of Alante, um, but my sister's name is Al Kia with an apostrophe mm-hmm. for, from my dad's side, um, but instead of mine being A-L apostrophe O-N-T-A-E, we just left it with A-L-O-N-T-A-E, so we just say Alante. Okay. Okay. Now you've you've obviously you know kind of warmed to this to this nickel role. Um, when you're your best on the field, do you need an opponent running his mouth, or do you just naturally have it like you you always jacked up? I feel like I naturally have it inside of me. Um, just that competitive spirit that I have. Um, but it's always been my game since I was a kid. Like I've never just played football and just not said anything. Um, so it's just part of who I am and. I can talk to the other person. He doesn't have to say a word. That's not going to change, like, <laughs> like if I'm going to keep talking or not. It's just a part of my game. So I'm just kind of getting into that point of my game now. Um, I hate that it's taken to half of the season, um, but, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm back and I'm better for sure. Has that gotten you any, into any trouble? Because, you know, we had a guy here, um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who, who 
every now and again, people will take a swing at him. Right. But <laughs> so has that has that gotten you any into any trouble on the field or any any fisticuffs or fracases or? Nah, um, you know I kind of look forward to those, um, but it hasn't happened yet. I think the closest one I probably had was probably a flag though um, against Devontae Adams when I kind of stood over top of him. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a moment that I kind of realized though because the ref kind of came up to me and said he wanted to throw the flag and that was a big moment in the game. So I kind of make sure I don't do too much of like at the opponent as far as standing over him. Um, but you know, I'm looking forward if anybody want to swing on me or anything like that from the way I talk. So it's more the action than the words that get to the officials? I mean, like you just said. Yeah, yeah. Over. You hear a lot of people talk a lot of stuff. You just, a lot of people probably don't talk about it on social media, but there's guys well, that no, talk I mean, a lot of trash. I mean, y'all can't what you say on the field. No, nah, right, media. right, right. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, we'll be talking trash. Like, there's guys that you may think that don't talk trash that will say something, and a ref might be standing there. But he's not going to throw a flag because of what you yeah. say. It's more so taunting the guy, standing over the guy, pointing, clapping in front of his face, things like that. But I don't, I don't think they care about what you say for real. See, that's the benefit y'all get from over NBA players because yeah. NBA players, they chatter a little bit and the rest are like, hey, gotcha. Right. And that's pretty yeah. much that. Um, you know, so so filling in at the role because you played outside corner last year, now you're moving to the nickel this year. Uh, it obviously takes a, a minute to to get comfortable there. And I think I asked you this maybe yesterday or the day before. How what What is your comfort level there now? Actually, it's crazy. When you asked me that, um, I said, you know, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. And I kind of went home and I thought about it. And if we had to put it like on a on a percentage, right, from zero to one hundred, yeah. I would say my my comfortability playing in the slot would be at like a eighty eighty five percent comfortability wise. But as far as like trusting my own technique, because I'm still learning the technique, and I'm still learning leverages, I'm still learning help, I'm still learning those things. I would be more so like maybe sixty percent, fifty five sixty percent. Because um, it takes reps, right? And on top of that, everything's moving fast. And so I'm still learning it. But I kind of had a conversation with somebody yesterday, and he kind of told me, like, it's new to me, right? And I'm still mm-hmm. learning, but the NFL doesn't care. Other teams don't care, yeah. right? And yeah. so – and I already knew that, but it, st- it still felt good to hear that from, from a guy. It's like, they don't care that you're still learning. They're still going to attack you and go at you, this and that. Um, but – that's that's what we get paid for to go out there and compete every Sunday. Can you give us an idea how how hard that is to play the slot? Because a lot of people say, well, he, he plays corner, so he ought, he ought to just be able to step in there and play it, you know. But obviously, it's it's a different animal than playing outside. So can you give us, I guess, a, a gist of how difficult it is to pull it off? Very difficult. I think if you ask any corner um, in the NFL, what's harder, corner or nickel? I really think that they would say nickel just because there's so much space and there's so many places that they can go. And everybody says, well, corner's got to be the hardest. But I can move back to outside corner and I'd be shut down. And the numbers that everyone talks about as far as how bad I'm doing, right, mm-hmm. would be totally opposite because I would be locking things down on the outside. You have the sideline right there, mm-hmm. right? So you can be as physical as you really need to be. Um, and then the quarterback has to kind of go through his reads and the ball has to come out quicker. In the slot, a receiver can literally get one step on you and throw you the ball, throw them the ball and – he's probably going to get a couple yards after the catch because you're playing off and you don't know which way he's going to go. Um, and you also, like, look at run pass. You have to read offensive linemen. You have to know where linebackers are fitting. You have to make sure it's a run before you trigger. You have to make sure it's a pass before you back up. It's, it's so much as you have to see in the nickel position. There's so much you have to know as far as D-line fronts, linebackers. And on the outside, you're either going to play man, you're either going to play zone. And you can just play that. You don't have to think too much. And then your biggest opponent is yourself. And then in the slot, it's yourself, it's the receiver, it's the quarterback, it's reading all these different things. Um, so I think that's that's like 
the hardest job that I'm, ha- I'm having to get into. But, I mean, going into year two, being in the NFL, kind of getting that under my belt now, and I think it's just going to help me later on um, in my career, though. How much is that the preparation going into the game to be able to recognize things that you see or just instinctual, like, okay, if this is how they are, then this might be what happens? Uh, I think I'm still learning that that side of it. I feel like I have to do better on a preparation side of things. Um, watching tape from last year, as far as like when I would watch opponents and uh, things like that, I have to watch tape totally different. There's way more notes having to be taken. There's way more time having to be put into rewinding, playing, rewinding, playing. Um, and like I said, like I have to improve there. And I think when I start to do better there, then I'll start to see the success on the field. Um, and that confidence, I think, will grow. Um, last week was probably the first time that I could say that I watched a whole lot more tape than I've ever watched. And I think it showed um, mm-hmm. going into the game. And I was more confident out there. My swagger was there. Um, so I think that's what I have to improve on and continue to improve on. And just because I watched more last week, I can't say, okay, if I watched 12 hours last week, I'm going to just watch 12 this week. Right. This week I might have to watch 20, right? And so I just have to make sure I watch a lot of tape and just know that when I go out there, like you said, it's not just of instinct, instincts and things like that or this is what they do. It's more of, okay, these are the possibility of things. You've seen this on tape. You've seen that on tape. All right, let's just play it this way and then react to everything else after that. But if I don't watch the tape, I can't say, okay, I've seen this. This is what this policy is coming now. It's just I'm going to try to match every single movement that this receiver does. And on tape, if you watch tape, tape, maybe he doesn't even do all that, right? So, yeah. How quickly do you have to process all of that information in the moment? <laughs> Quick. Yeah. Like, ball snap, see it and play. And it's a lot, like I said. And I see why, you know, you don't see many high-paid nickels in the league, right? You don't see a lot of guys in the league that are playing the nickel that's just very successful, like you would see corners, because guys are still learning. I think mean, whoever you would consider the best nickel in the league, he's still learning himself. Um, so it's it's a lot, but... You know, it's a position that's being needed now that the NFL is growing to playing 11 personnel on offense and you're playing these 4-2, 4-3 receivers who can play. Um, and so now you have to find guys who can play that nickel job. You know, that means the salary's going to have to go up then. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, how, 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 how much do you get into the, the tackling aspect of it? Because, you know, this is a secondary that'll hit people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really get too much. And I've, I've always felt like I was a good tackler. I think there's times when I kind of have to bite my own words whenever I go and see certain things. Um, like, okay, Elante, that wasn't even a good shot that you even took. Um, but we're very physical as a defense. We do a tackling drills every week. Um, and, you know, I think that's just the DNA, but it's also a mindset. I think, um, like, Mickey and those guys, they bring in the right-minded people to play in the secondary or just play in our, on our defensive side of the ball that are guys that are physical, guys who want to hit and guys who play fast. And... You know, everybody fits into that culture. And at the end of the day, like, everybody wants to make big hits, but everybody also wants to make picks, right? Everybody wants to make interceptions or PBUs. But one thing we do is we try to make sure that we swarm to the ball um, and we just get turnovers that way as well. All right, you've gotten your hand on the ball a few times. Now, what's it going to take here? Because, <laughs> because you know, you, you, you've had a near pick six. Yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, forget. so what's now? So, what's it gonna take now? I mean, because what's the what's the convergence? I mean, you got to play it right. You got to do everything right, and then, of course, obviously, you got to you got to finish the play with the pick. Yeah. Um. What's it gonna take? Um. Uh, I don't know. I think I have to. 
one thing I've been trying to do recently, you know, as a, a player, you know, I kind of Tyron kind of told me this. He was like, Alante, you can't go two years without interception. And so I'm kind of, I'm kind of keeping <laughs> oh, that in the back here, of my mind a little bit, it, right? You can't get it in your head like no, that. No, you're right. But in my mind, it's also like, I have to catch the ones that come to me. I feel like recently I've been trying to get an interception. Yeah. Um, so it's been putting me in bad situations. I've been jumping routes. I've been having bad eyes. Um, so I think first thing is just going to come with poise. Um, me just understanding my role and um, just, play my, just play my technique. Um, but like I said in the interview before, I feel like my first interception is going to be, like, really big. It might be to, to, to win the game. You know, it might be something like that. So now I just have to catch the ones that come to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've had a lot that's came to me. I just haven't catched them but, or caught them. But I'm going to... Um, I'm just going to keep doing my technique, and I'm not going to get greedy, and I'm not going to force it. Um, you know, Coach Woods telling me all the time, if you just play your technique and just do your job, like the ball will come to you. And so I got to trust that. How hard is it to stay patient? Because you guys do a lot of running with your head turned, and you don't necessarily know the ball's coming into the guy's hand until he shows you, shows his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that comes with film study. Um, I feel like uh, it's hard, though. Um I feel like I've had a lot of plays where I was just out of phase and I just played the hands this this past season for sure. And a lot of guys joke with me and say that's probably like my best thing that I do really is like I play the hands really well. Um, but at the end of the day, we're, we're corners and we're, I guess, considered some of the best athletes on the field, right? So we have to be able to run with our heads back mm-hmm. and turn around and find the ball and make a play. Um, that's what we get paid to do. Um, and so I think if you're in this position and you're on the field and you're getting a play, like, Coaches have that same trust in you to go out there and be able to do that. You got to have good hands, though, because you started your career as a wide receiver. Yeah, I got some pretty good hands. <laughs> um, um, I think catching jugs, though, you know, me and Marshawn was talking yesterday, and it's one of those things that if you don't don't use it, then you'll lose it, right? And mm-hmm. so if you're not catching the ball after practice, or if you're not catching the ball before practice, like you'll, you'll lose your hands, um, especially as a corner, because you're not going to get as many opportunities to catch the ball in the game. Like Coach always says, it might you might get the ball thrown at you one time, and it might hit your hands, and that might have been your only opportunity the whole game. So you have to catch 100 balls before practice, 100 after practice. So making sure that we stay on the jugs and stuff like that to keep our hands ready for whenever that opportunity comes. Yeah, when you started at Tennessee, you went in as a wide receiver. That's mm-hmm. how you were recruited. You played all of high school that way. So you've had to change positions before, <laughs> obviously not from one side of the ball to the other here. But were you able to draw off of that? You know, that situation, and I, I don't think it was your choice necessarily yeah, to change whatever. back then. Yeah, um, but I feel like it took me a minute. I had to get comfortable playing corner first. Um, but once I start, I got comfortable playing corner um, at Tennessee, then I can kind of start doing my, using my wide receiver thoughts, right, as far as stems, route running, things like that. But everybody assumed just because I played receiver and I went to corner that I should know when the guy is doing X, Y, and Z. But it, I probably didn't understand that until, honestly, my junior year, that COVID year, because we had so much time off and – so I had time to really just break down my own tape and break down myself. Um, and then my senior year, you can see it. Like the interceptions went up, the tackles went up, the confidence went up. And you could say it's the scheme, um, but the biggest thing for me was just like I got to watch and break down who I was as a player. And then I could now say, okay, I'm a vet, I guess you can say, in, in college football. And now I understand routes. I'm understanding routes. I'm understanding uh, concepts and formations and things like that. So that's what helped me have that success my senior year at Tennessee. And I think now I'm, going, I'm in a league, but I'm in a new position. And so I'm trying to learn these things. 
Um, that's why I say I feel like later on in my career, all that's just going to come back and help me out where if I'm playing outside corner, good. If I'm playing inside at nickel, okay, cool. But I can see a lot of stuff, and I can understand defenses better, and I can understand just football. A lot of people just watch football to see the big plays but understand real football. Like I'm saying, gap, scheme, gap schemes, um, type of runs, type of – um, motions, things like that. All that stuff means something, especially when you're in that side as a nickel. But as a corner, like you wouldn't even think about that stuff because I didn't think about what the nickel had to do last year other than if he was helping me or if he wasn't helping me. And so now you have to understand all that stuff. Okay, so a few days before the season opening this year, you, you find out because basically the team says you're going to be playing nickel because the guy who was playing nickel, we get rid of him and it's yours. <laughs> how much of a, you know, one, what, the, what what goes through your mind and two, how much of a confidence boost is that, I guess, because, you know, you're, you're still trying to get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, instead of them saying, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll let you keep getting the feel for it. They say, look, no, 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 no more feeling. It's yours. Yeah. Um, the thought process at first was, uh, dang, <laughs> um, just because, you know, I was competing with, with Debo for the outside corner yeah. job. And, yeah, I was taking reps in the nickel, but it never crossed my mind that I would actually play it, one, yeah. um, and then, two, be the starting, like the starting nickel. Um, I had all the faith and confidence that, like, Roby had everything that it took to be a really good nickel. He'd been doing it in the league for a long time. And so the move itself really shocked me. Um, so the first thing I was like, dang. And then I already had a conversation with uh, Coach Woods, right, and knowing that some things were going to change. Um, and then after everything had happened, I was like, okay, well, I lost a starting corner job, so you have to take that L first. So I had to kind of soak that in. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I didn't even win the, the, the job that I was really competing for and the job that I've played, and, like, I played corner. And so I had to take that, and I think that's what kind of put me a couple steps behind as far as the nickel. And I had talks with people, and, you know, I had to tell, like, at first I was like, I don't even want to play nickel. Like, I'm trying to play corner. If I'm not going to play corner, then don't play me at all, really. That was my mindset at first. Um, but like I said, I had a conversation with Ramsey, and, like, Ramsey kind of had to talk with us when I was in college, and it really helped me. But when he said those things, like, wherever they want you to play, like, be the best at that, um, it, it motivated me. And so then my mindset had kind of changed as far as, like, Okay, Alante, they want you to play nickel. Not only are you going to play nickel, you're going to start at nickel. So you have two options. You can go out there and do terrible and get benched, or you can go out there, or three options, get benched. Second one being go out there and get exposed every single week. Or the third option, suck it up, figure it out, and go out there and just grow as a player and understand you're not going to be perfect week one, week two, week three, week four. And so that's the option that I decided to take. And so I'm just trying to get perf- get better and better each week. And I may not be the best nickel um, this whole season, but I know that I'm getting better each and every week, and I'm comfortable with looking in the mirror and saying that, okay, you did better this week than you did last week. And as long as I keep doing that, I feel like I'll be exactly where I need to be at the right time. You're, you're a brother who's hard on himself, so how, how did you learn to have patience with yourself, I guess, through this process? Because you grade yourself mm-hmm. harsh. I think I just had to tap into my word a little bit. Um, I feel like... Uh, I had to stop identifying myself as just this football player who's trying to be the greatest. I had to understand that I'm loved outside of the game. And I started to, the 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 hardness and the toughness that I was putting on myself started to I started to see it go into my family because I would have a bad practice or I'd have a bad game and I would cold shoulder my family because um, I'm beating myself up and I'm so mad at how I'm performing or things like that. And so that itself and seeing, like me saying, okay, 
we had a home game one time, and I told my parents I didn't want them to come. Um, I told them I needed time, I needed space, and it was really just me not playing to the standard that I had for myself, mm -hmm. and I didn't want them to keep driving seven hours to see me go out there and maybe not play good. Um, so that is what I started to just love myself a little bit more and started to allow myself, like giving myself grace and giving myself um, the ability to make mistakes and know that it's okay. Um, but I still have that, like you said, I still have that in the back of my mind. Like, I want to be the greatest, though. And everybody wants to be great. And I want to be a perfectionist at everything that I do. Um, and so that that's not gone anywhere. Even though I give myself mercy and grace, like, I'm still hard on myself. But every now and then I, like, remind myself, like, it's okay to make mistakes. Um, but playing the nickel, losing the corner job, that's where I really started to even be more harder on myself because I'm like, all right, are they saying I'm not good enough to play a corner? So they just threw me on the inside. Mm -hmm. So I started to kind of question myself with that. And I was kind of hard on myself with that. But not that you are, but like, don't get it twisted. Like the nickel job is something that I am growing and I'm still enjoying, but I still feel like I'm an outside corner um, in this league. Um, and, you know, whenever my opportunity comes and I think it was fun. Green Bay game was probably my best game this year. And I played outside and inside that game mm -hmm. um, because Debo, uh, I think it was Debo that didn't play. So, but yeah. Yeah, you were killing it that game. Yeah. You, you killed it. So so when you get outside this building, what do you do to release, you know, to get your your, your woosah? How do you how do you <laughs> yeah. unwind? I listen to some R and B music. Um I listen to, to some praise and worship when I'm driving home and I have a little little Frenchie named Mink at home. Um he's only seven months, so I go home, I play with him. Um, and I'm watching this this show called Snowfall right now. So I, I, I watch oh, that oh, on Netflix. Yeah, FX, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I watch that right now. Um, but I don't really do a whole lot. You know, I talk to my family, uh, my sisters. I have two nieces. Um, so, you know, I get to FaceTime them. Um, I just, you know, I'm a big family guy at the end of the day. And so my family's not here. So, you know, FaceTime calls and talking to my mom, my pops. And like I said, I have four sisters, um, no brothers. I'm the only boy. So... But I have some cousins and things like that that I just chop it up with them. And they they um, they help me relax and kind of get out of the football mode. So, yeah. How far are you in the snowfall? Because I, I don't want to give I don't want to give away the end. How far? I'm on season six, okay. episode okay, I'll 10. Be I'll be quiet. <laughs> watch it. Watch it all. Yeah. So you said your family drives seven hours to come watch you play? Yeah, seven hours. They leave about three o'clock in the morning on Sunday, on Saturdays. Shoot. And get in. And then by the time I get off work, probably 12, 30-ish, I go home and we go out to eat before our meetings. And then they leave Monday. My dad likes to get on the road early, so my mom just rides anyway. So they'll probably leave about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning on Monday um, to get back. But, yeah, every home game. See, them old school dudes get up and ride like that. <laughs> I, I, I've never understood that. You know, yeah. they you know, midnight, We okay, we're pulling out. What? what? Oh, wait. So, okay. So lately, though, you're talking about stuff you've been doing outside of football. You've been going to area schools, mm -hmm. doing kind of anonymous visits. You're not advertising it. You don't want any media there. Mm -hmm. What started that? Why is that something that you wanted to do? So I've always been big in community. Um, at Tennessee, I was really big into the community there. Um, you know, I was president of a lot of things such as SAC, and I was vice president of SEC Football Leadership Council captain on the team and so I've always and I'm also a part of Cap Alpha Side Returning Incorporated which we're really big in community service but when I got here I kind of felt like 
the guys who were in the community were the guys who were big names, right? Mm-hmm. Those guys who um, are well-known in the community or, like, well-known for the Saints. And so last year I really wanted to do a lot of community service stuff, but I didn't get the opportunity to. So then this year um, I had met someone who she kind of does PR and stuff on the side, and she has a lot of connections and stuff like that. And so we tapped in. We, we uh, crossed each other's phone numbers, and you know, I told her, like, if you can get me into schools, like, this is what I want to do. And so she got me into St. Aug and Carr and some other schools, but – it wasn't one of those things where I was like, I want to let the Saints know. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what I'm going to go and do. Because it's not for the cameras for me. Like, I think the biggest thing for me is the message that I'm giving to the kids. And my my, my speech with Cara was recorded. And they were going to post it on the Saints page. But I told them I didn't want it posted because I wanted that conversation to be between me and the players. Um, so I'm not so much big on... Oh, I went here, so give me my my flowers mm-hmm. because I'm out in the community and I'm doing this and that. Um, I want it all comes from the inside. It all comes from my heart, and so um, I just want to give back to those kids. You know, I went to a small, small, small high school, and how great it would have been dope just to have a Tennessee Titans player to come to my school when I was in high school to talk to me about what it takes not to get to the NFL, but what it takes to have success in life, but also like in college first, right? And I want to give those kids that because I didn't have that at my small town school. And so I know there's a lot of schools that guys go to. So I'm trying to find the schools that a lot of Saints don't go to or Pelicans don't go to. So it may be that small school on the West Bank or the small school on the east side. Right. I want to go to those schools and I want to talk to those kids and you know give them hope and let them know like it's possible no matter like where you come from. That's Awesome. I think that's really cool that you're doing that. Outside of that community work, you mentioned some of the leadership things that you were involved in growing growing up, going into into college. The SEC Leadership Council, I mean, you were the vice chair during COVID. Yeah. How difficult was that to navigate? It was terrible. Um, Me and uh, Mr. Sankey, I don't know how many times we begged to have our conferences in person. Um, Cause we had to do it all over Zoom, yeah. and we kept begging and begging. And he was like, "Once maybe if this mandate passes or if this happens, um, it was it was it was bad, but um, it was still good because we had serious conversations and we had uh, votes that really mattered. You kind of look at the the one transfer rule within the SEC and being able to be eligible right away, or it's all schools, but like we kind of had that vote. Um, that was probably the biggest vote that I had. I got to be a part of. Um, but it was difficult, but at the end of the day, it still, it still means a lot to me to even say that I got to, I was voted upon my peers of other SEC players to even vote for me to even be in that situation. Um, but you know, um, me, me and Mr. Sankey, we have a really great relationship and maybe one day whenever my career ends here, um, in the NFL, maybe I'll go back and try to be a part of the SEC again. Commissioner? Commissioner? We're talking about Commissioner Taylor. <laughs> I don't know about Commissioner, <laughs> but we'll just see. I don't know what God has planned for me, but you know, I want to give back to to the SEC in the best way that I can. You were all academic for three years there at mm-hmm. Tennessee. Obviously, very smart, majored in communication studies. You've done all the things to line up mm-hmm. for possibly a role as a commissioner. What else would interest you? What would you like to do after football? I always said, you no, know, I'm not going to say the number um, of how long I want to play in the league, but you know, I think. Mark Ingles kind of living that dream out right now, you know, playing in a league for so long and then get to be a sports broadcaster and talk about the game of football. So I've always that was something that I always said I wanted to do, play in a league for X amount of years, 
and then have an opportunity to be on SportsCenter or NFL or whatever it may be um, and just commentate about college football or commentate about the NFL football. Um, that's my. That's something that I, I'll say that I would be comfortable with doing that once I'm done playing ball. Are you a hot taker? I mean, because you're gonna have to have some. If you're going, in, if you're going into the medium, I have to get better at. I'm, I'm not because I'm. Well, I mean, you should do it now. But I mean, yeah. when you get into that medium, you gotta be a hot taker, right? Um, maybe I'll adjust to that if if that's what it, it takes to to be in that situation. Alante, this weekend coming up is the Bears mm-hmm. and the team defensively. We talked about the slow starts. Definitely wanting to kind of get back to what the Saints have been as a dominant defense but how much have you enjoyed being a part of a team that values that side of the ball and has been known to be that good on defense man I don't I don't take it for granted um you know the the overall goal right for any person who gets drafted is to start their career and finish their career there um but I don't think that I well I'm glad that I started my career here um I love this defense um the defense that we had at Tennessee was just like not it was really good. It was complicated a little bit, but it was it was a great defense. But I always say like anybody who gets to come and be a part of the New Orleans Saints defenses, it's a blessing for them because we play fast, we play physical, we play with a lot of swag, we have fun with it. It's it's a big playbook, right? So there's a lot of different stuff that we do, but I don't think there's any other defense that I would have rather been a part of. You know, being in the league, I get to see other defensive play, like defensive teams play, but it's just something different um, about about this defense and the the standard and um, that we have here. So I think I ended up exactly at the right place um, at the right time, and it's it's so fun. And and I I, would, I don't want to play for any other defense if if I had a choice, right? So yeah. Alante, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I appreciate your candidness, how open you've been, and your willingness to sit here and spend some time with us today. No problem. I appreciate you for having me. Appreciate Alante for giving us the time and those great answers. I can see why he thinks that a career in broadcasting would be something fun for him to do. Definitely knows how to break down the game and his approach to it. We are looking forward to the Bears game this weekend. We will break down a little bit more of the opponent for the Saints in tomorrow's podcast. Friday will be very much week nine focused. So tune in tomorrow, neworleansaints.com or anywhere that you get your podcasts. And thanks for giving us a listen today. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast. Join us three times per week on neworleansaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast.